Because after seven years, we're still going strong, this is MuggleCast, episode 248, for January 22nd, 2012. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Just a little editor's note before we get into the show. Eric lost his audio file for about the first 15 minutes, so you'll notice he's missing, but he comes on about 15 minutes from now. So if, if you hear strange edits, it's because we had to take out the blank spots where he was talking, but we lost his audio. So just to clear that up, enjoy the show. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 248. It is a new year. This is our seventh year of Harry Potter podcasting. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but coincidentally, there are seven books by J.K. Rowling and seven tweets by J.K. Rowling as well. Is, is that how you want to start off 2012 talking about Twitter and J.K. Rowling in the same sentence? <laughs> I'm sorry. Actually, a correction. There's actually eight. Oh, so good. I thought, I thought there were seven. Yeah. There's seven years of Hogwarts and seven years of MuggleCast. Ah, that's perfect. Seven years of Hogwarts, seven years of MuggleCast. So you're saying so that means this is we it. have to finish. Yeah, <laughs> we have to be done. I'm Andrew Sims, and I'm Micah Tannenbaum. What's going on in the news this month, Micah? <laughs> well, now that everybody has stopped crying since you said that we're ending the show this year. What? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. First thing to talk about that uh, Dan Radcliffe obviously has a lot going on right now. Woman in Black coming out soon. But he hosted Saturday Night Live back on January 14th, and uh, there was only one Harry Potter skit. His his opening uh, monologue uh, poked a little bit of fun here and there at Harry Potter, but one Potter skit. Um, what did you guys think overall? Did you get a chance to watch Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a really good show. Um, I, I personally think the Saturday Night Live hasn't been that great overall the past year or two other than a couple of the the stars but dane did a great job they had some good skits for him i thought the harry potter skit was actually pretty funny i mean it was slightly like like easy of a theme to write like oh harry's been at he's harry's like desperate to still be at hogwarts and be living at hogwarts and like he's just like a creep now and that was kind of an easy thing for them to do but overall it was good he did a good job i think the the only thing that would have made that better is if they had at least one other celebrity from the series uh, show up. And I thought it was actually mm-hmm. going to be when they showed Snape and possibly had Alan Rickman, but... Oh, it, yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good. But I, I agree with you. Overall, I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty well done. Other news, Deathly Hallows Part 2 cleaned up at the People's Choice Awards back on January the 11th. It won for uh, Favorite Movie, Favorite Action Movie, Favorite ensemble movie cast and favorite book adaptation. Uh, the series was also nominated in the category of uh, favorite movie actor for Dan Radcliffe, which he did not end up coming away with, and uh, favorite movie star under 25. Now, this was a category people seemed to uh, take the most issue with uh, when we were announcing it on Twitter uh, because Dan Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, and Tom Felton 
were all nominated in this category, and they only had one other person uh, that they were going up against. And that person won. And I think what most people uh, were able to deduce was that they split the vote. Yeah. Even 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 so, I still don't understand how one of them could have pulled ahead of this actress who won it. It just still still doesn't seem to make sense to me because Tom Felton was promoting voting for him on his Twitter. It, it it's just odd. It's very odd. The thing though is that the People's Choice Awards aren't really that like epic of an awards thing. It's just like some lame award show on CBS that they do just to make a quick buck. Uh, and and. You know, Dan Radcliffe was in New York uh, rehearsing for that. I-, I guess Tom Felton, if any of those four were going to show up, I would have expected him to, but not Rupert or, or Emma. Well, just to, it's not that big of a deal y- of an award. Yeah. Show. Well, that, I was just going to say to your point, you look at the categories that they won in and the only one that was announced on the show was favorite book adaptation. So they, they didn't even announce for, for uh, an award show favorite movie. I mean, how do you go yeah, through a whole odd. award show? and not announce favorite movie. Usually that's one of the last things. I think this award show is swayed a little bit because it just seems very odd that like CBS shows, you know, this award show was hosted on CBS and yet CBS shows had won like particular awards like best new comedy and best new drama, which just seemed odd to me because they're both on CBS and it's like, I don't know, there's a conflict of interest here. The BAFTAs, uh, I believe initially uh, that the the Potter series was longlisted for 11 awards, 11 BAFTAs, uh, but the announcements were made actually by Dan Radcliffe uh, earlier this week, and uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2 was nominated in four categories, production design, sound, special visual effects, and makeup and hair. Not necessarily, maybe with the exception of sound and special visual effects, the categories I would have thought would have made their way through to the end here. Not even best movie? The best film nominees were The Artist, The Descendants, Drive, The Help, and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I can see why those, I mean, those, all five of those have been quite popular this award season, so maybe Harry Potter was long-listed for best film. I can't particularly remember. I think, but, you know, they'll take what they can get (laughs) at this point. They need whatever they can grab. So if it's going to be best hair and makeup, okay. Yeah, the Oscars. The ones that matter. Uh, which mm-hmm. are going to be announced on the morning of January the 24th and... 5 a.m. Pacific. You'll be awake. I hope right? you guys are up. I'll be... I got my I'll alarm set already. 8 a.m. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting, actually, I have to say, because, I mean, there's just been so much anticipation with, with Warner Brothers pushing... Uh, Harry Potter so much. So, you know, the big question is going to be, did all that advertising and all that campaigning and kind of lobbying pay off? And I have to think once WB, once the nominees are announced, and let's say Harry Potter did grab a few nominations, I think WB may try to kick off another campaign. Yeah. we And it's exciting for Harry Potter fans because it's the last chance. So it's like, you know, it, it'll be exciting to see what, if all this hard work from WB paid off. We know as of right now, that it's been shortlisted for visual effects and makeup. I don't know if it's been shortlisted for anything else. Do you guys, off the top of your head, have you heard anything? I think it's just those two. They, they've been announcing shortlists, like, one by one, and they haven't been announcing all the shortlists. But then the, so. the big ones get announced on the 24th. Yeah, everything will be announced that day. I think the only other shortlist that was announced, there may be one other, but uh, I know earlier 
last week there was a they announced a short list for like best foreign film or foreign language film or something like that. Obviously, Harry Potter's not in in that, right? And, and just to go back real quick to the BAFTAs, the, it was nominated uh, or long listed, I should say, for outstanding British film. It didn't make the final cut. And also for supporting actor for Alan Rickman, that did not make the cut. So that's interesting to see how that translates over uh, for the Oscars. The awards will be held Sunday, February 26th on ABC in the United States. Can I make a prediction, though? What? I'm going to say that if Alan Rickman is nominated for Best Supporting Actor, that he's going to win. Because it doesn't make sense to me to nominate him otherwise. They haven't nominated any Potter actor or actress in that category at all throughout eight movies, or seven, I should say. Are you kind of saying that he's kind of like the attractive male or female that enters the bar? Like, he's going to be picked up, he or she? I I don't know if that's how... uh, Yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) Well, I don't see how else you could mean that. I mean, if he's going to walk into the bar in this case, and for this metaphor's sake, I'm referring to the nominations, he has to win. All right. Well, let's just take a look here for a second. Of the awards that WB is pushing for, the categories, I should say, that they're pushing for, what do you think is the best chance for them to win? Best film. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think I think uh, best supporting actor. I would have to look at the the list again, to be honest with you. But I think best supporting actor is a good one. And visual effects, possibly. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I think there's something with sound, right? Sound design or something like For, that. Or uh, Desplat. Yeah, uh, visual effects or something. Oh, you just said that one. Okay, well we'll we'll have all the answers in. Uh, not all the answers. Well, some answers in a few days. What else is going on in the news? Uh, there was an interesting article uh, while we've been, uh, you know, off enjoying the holidays uh, about uh, J.K. Rowling, and it was in the Huffington Post, and it it asked the question: Should she win a Nobel Prize in literature? What do you guys think? I would say yes. Well, let's let's look at who the, this award gets awarded to. Quote, the person who shall have produced in the field of literature the most exta- outstanding work in an ideal direction. I I think I think that's right. I don't want to be paraphrasing Keith here, but I mean, well, I will paraphrase Keith. He says, certainly the Harry Potter series has inspired people around the world to read, and this does follow the guideline of an ideal direction. I think he's right. I mean, it has inspired millions of people to read when when they wouldn't have been, and be not just not just to read. I mean, everybody reads, but just to really love reading again. So yeah, I I could see her doing that. She definitely deserves it. The question is, when are these awards? Or excuse me, when is the Nobel Prize uh, normally awarded? Isn't that a once a year thing? I would think that she's probably been nominated in some capacity. Before this, that's it really for the news. I mean, I mentioned earlier the the piece about the woman in black. It is going to be in theaters February the tenth. The premiere is actually on the twenty fourth of this month. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to head out to the theaters to uh, to go check that movie out. But just another project. It's it looks pretty creepy. I got to be honest with you. I, why why is it not you know? being released in October or something like that. 
Well, maybe they couldn't get it out sooner than now, and they just figure, well, let's just do it. I mean, they also got to look at what else is in theaters at the time, so maybe they don't want to be competing with other films in particular. With Nightmare on Elm Street 55 or Yeah, well, maybe there, maybe there's a... Well, no, but seriously, maybe there's some serious big horror films coming out around October. They just don't want to compete with that, so... I mean, it's good to release it in the winter, though, right? Because it's kind of like a cold movie. Yeah, Okay, before we move on with today's show, we'd like to remind everybody that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. They are the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. One audiobook to consider is Catching Fire. It's the second book in the Hunger Games trilogy, and it's going to be turned into a film in 2013. So that's still a long way off, but you want to be ahead of the curve because you know everybody will be reading it next year. And I can tell you, it is just as great as the first book. If you enjoyed the Hunger Games, you will enjoy Catching Fire. And you'll enjoy Mockingjay, too. That's the third book in the trilogy. So for a free audiobook of your choice, such as The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Mockingjay, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. So let's move on now to a segment we haven't done in a while, Make the Music Connection. Yes. Oh, in case, baby. In case you don't remember how this is played, it actually started with a segment Jamie came up with called Make the Connection. But now, Make the Music Connection is where we play a song, and one of the hosts has to connect it to Harry Potter somehow. Now, these songs actually are... actually makes a lot more sense. The, the, I don't know. Jamie had you, like, compare <laughs> Harry Potter to a helicopter Whatever. flying upside down at midnight on yeah. Christmas Eve or something like that. Running low on fuel. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a little too arbitrary with uh, Jamie's imagination. He got right. a little creative. But... So you can take the themes of these songs and sort of connect them to Harry Potter somehow, and you can also kind of interpret it as, well, where would this song be in one of the movies or in one of the books? Mm-hmm. So anyway, who wants to go first? It's all you, Micah. Okay, Micah. I know you listen to the song I'll, a lot. I'll go first. You'll like this. Um, <laughs> you know, like I said, we're doing Top 40. There's a recent oh, song out top 40. by Rihanna called We Found Love. Are you aware of this song? Oh, yes. Okay. Top of my iPod. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, here, I'll play a little sample, and you have to make the connection. All right. So this is We Found Love by Rihanna. Mm. Go ahead, make the connection. I actually know that song. Oh, good. Well, yeah, I knew you would. You... Uh, yeah. Well, who knows? You know, there was some stuff going on in the Chamber of Secrets, uh, which is kind of a hopeless place, uh, you know, during uh, Deathly Hallows, during the battle mm-hmm. between uh, Ron and Hermione. Right? And didn't in Chamber of Secrets, in the film Chamber of Secrets, don't Harry and Ginny kiss in the chamber? 
Or no? I don't. I don't think they kiss. Um, she's still like eleven. She's still like gel bait. <laughs> okay, so she's still kind of young, but it's it's the start of something. Yeah. 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 When there okay. was when it was very hopeless. It was a hopeless place. <laughs> yeah. For a second there, I thought Micah was going to connect it to like two mice in the chamber finding love as they're about to be eaten by the basilisk. <laughs> then I was like, oh, thank God he didn't do that. That too. We, got, we of, have to respect all creatures. All right, Eric, now it's time for your song. Again, another top 40 hit. So this is Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5, featuring Christina Aguilera. Love that song, can I just say. I rock out to it all the time. <laughs> I'm going to make the connection. I think that uh, we're talking about to move like Jagger is to move like uh, somebody who's iconic and there's lots of meaning and, and he kicks some ass, frankly. Uh, Dumbledore moves like Jagger. I'm going to get that out there. Uh, it's, it's Albus Dumbledore. He's broken and scarred. He's got all this stuff, but he can still take on the baddest baddie in the Harry Potter verse. Dumbledore moves like Jagger. Do you think he really has moves like Jagger, though? I mean, I say Jagger well, I don't, 20 years ago. Jagger 20 years? Yeah, I think. Even 30 know, years. Maybe in, another, maybe in another life. You think or, he could I guess break that's it, it on the dance floor? Dumbledore? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if not, he could totally, like stun everybody and like you know make them think that he did all right fair enough enough. now let's move on to favorites this is future potter story that joe could write that's today's theme so what story would you want to see her write if she continued in the potter world so only one that i you know you can only pick one it has to be your favorite idea uh does anyone want to go first before Mm. we get to twitter responses well we got a ton of responses on twitter so favorite imaginary upcoming book? Yeah, yeah. So if Joe, you know, the pen and paper thing that she keeps talking about, let's say it's actually Oh my god, I'm Harry so Potter. tired of that. What would you want- talk about that for a minute? We, we touched on that a little bit earlier, but I, I get the whole idea of, of having an official Twitter account because there are people out there that are going to pretend to be you. But really, what's the point? Let into posting news posts about you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's but- besides the point. Let Let's All right. focus on the favorite segment. I mean, it, go ahead, Mike. If you had one, if you would like to see one Potter book be released now, what would you like it to be? It, it could be about any of the characters. Like, right? Yeah, maybe a group of characters, or maybe something like uh, Fantastic Beasts. You know, which adds to the 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 story. Uh, I'd like to see something about the uh, the Marauders. You know, more in depth. Um, what their time at school was like. We got a little bit of a taste um, from that 
didn't she release something a couple years ago, uh, which which was kind of a, a scene with, with James? Oh, no, it, was the, for, the, it was for charity. The prologue um, or no, the uh, prequel. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was basically. It was like very short, and it was James and Sirius on Sirius's motorbike, like outrunning Muggle the police. Cops. Yeah, yeah. Like that was cool. Yeah, I would like to see more stuff like that because my my favorite book was Prisoner of Azkaban, and, and I really liked the the whole backstory that you got on the Marauders and, and you know Harry's parents and things like that. So I'd like to see more from that time, learning more about those characters. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be quite annoying by the time this favorite segment is done. I'm just gonna echo everything you said. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think the Marauders are where it's at. You know, if they do, because any story after Harry's journey, you know, she does this 19 years later. Nothing significant really happens in those 19 years. Um, you know, Voldemort is the baddie of this Harry Potter series, and with him gone, there's really nothing to write about. Um, you know, it wouldn't be interesting. Whereas if you're writing about the Marauders, you're leading up to something. You're leading to their eventual demise and redemption by the hand of, you know, their their kids. But uh, let's say that... Which is good. Let's yeah. say that Joe did decide to write po- uh, post-book seven. Uh, could she create another enemy... That is as epic as Lord Voldemort's story, you know. I, I've I've wondered that recently, and I don't think so actually. <laughs> but th- that is the but type of story I would like to see. Or just that it wouldn't. Okay, I would like so, to see another, like, maybe not another seven book Harry Potter series, but multi book Harry Potter series with an arch enemy that has to be defeated, and that would be a challenge for Joe because we really aren't aware of any others, um, unless right. she started writing about existing people who we read about. You know, maybe Death Eaters or something, and one of them ended up going bad again. Something like that. It's very interesting. Um, I mean, you could make the argument that, it, like, first it was Grindelwald, right? Before right. it was Voldemort, there was Grindelwald. So there have there is this history of dark wizards existing. She could just do another one. And let's face but, it, there has to be. If we're speaking realistically, what, is there never going to be evil again in the wizarding world? No, of course not. There has to be more evil. And Joe could yeah, be, about be that. interesting to see how it gets created. You know, knowing that Voldemort existed and he created these Horcruxes, and that was his means of sort of preserving life and and essentially going undefeated for the time that he did. You know, mm-hmm. what is the the new route that she's going to take us down? You know, in terms of you know what makes this new person you know not defeated, not defeatable, I guess if that's even a word. But you know what I mean? Like, what is what's their dynamic going to be? Um, you know that, that that's going to make them last throughout all these books without somebody just going up and killing them. Maybe they're maybe they're vampires. Well, like or I said, shape shifting werewolves. Like I said, we got a lot of responses on Twitter. Eldest Sonic Wand wrote the wedding of Hermione and Ron and Harry and Ginny. Huh. Miza, do you think it was a double wedding? <laughs> no. Do you think it happened? Like- I don't think that'd be appropriate. Uh, Miza Guevara. Guevara wrote The Rebuilding. That's all she wrote. Mm. That'd be interesting, actually. Um, Thomas Cholan wrote The Encyclopedia and only The Encyclopedia. The story's over, and any other books telling a story would be done solely for the money. See, I disagree with that. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe Joe's not necessarily doing it for the money, but hey, maybe she wants to help out bookstores again. What's wrong with that? <laughs> look, I mean, look, Barnes & Noble went under, and it's not totally Harry Potter's fault. You mean, you mean Borders? That's what I said, right? 
Did I say Barnes and yeah, Noble? Barnes and Noble. Oh, yeah. yeah, Borders went under. Hopefully, so yeah, Borders <laughs> totally gone. Well, every day that the uh, Potter books don't exist in ebook format, that's presumably helping book sales, right? That's yeah, that's true. So thank so. you, Pottermore, for sucking. <laughs> and for McGevick wrote about founders of Hogwarts. That It'll seems be to be a popular one, I think. <laughs> uh, Bar Ongles yeah. wrote James and Lily at Hogwarts. Andrew DeFrank wrote, Not the kids. Way too cheesy. The last year of Voldy's first war? Celebration of Baby Potter? Serious James at school? Hmm. Lots of good ideas. Yeah. Haley Megan wrote, Albus Severus in his whole first year at Hogwarts. Uh, Catherine wrote, The Marauders' his time at Hogwarts. Cece Smith wrote, How James and Lily Got Together. <laughs> Here's a good one. Action Girl wrote, The House Elf Chronicles. <laughs> 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 That'd be funny. Uh, Timeline 541 wrote Something from Voldemort's point of view Before he died, obviously Ten Nove wrote Prequel all the way I want the Marauders backstory So tons of great ideas I mean, everybody's got their own opinion There's no, like, clear front front runner, I would say um, Yeah But if anybody wants to look at all the responses You can just go to twitter.com Or just go to twitter.com And do a search for at MuggleCast And then you can see all of our at replies If you want to take a look at all of them kind of a good poll question to ask yeah definitely now let's go on to muggle mail micah do you want to take the first one the first one of our last year <laughs> you're gonna cause problems uh first one comes from sabrina 22 of rostock germany and she says I'm Sabrina, 22, from Germany, and 2011 has been a very special year for me because I started listening to MuggleCast. You guys are awesome, and I love listening to your show on my way to university. While watching Deathly Hallows Part 2 on Christmas Eve, it was a Christmas present. In Germany, we get our presents on Christmas Eve, so take that, U.S. Uh, I was wondering, you shouldn't say that, uh, I was wondering why there was so much snow in Hogsmeade scene, in the Hogsmeade scene. The trio enters Hogsmeade, and there's snow everywhere. The weird thing is, it's May, so why would there be snow at that time of year, and there's no snow in Hogwarts or in any other scene in the movie? started thinking about the other Hogsmeade scenes in the other movies and realized that there's always snow when they get there. Seems like the, uh, they only built a winter set, and it just looked weird with snow or something. I just wondered what you guys think about this. Uh, she goes on to say, I'm very glad I finally found your podcast. Thank you, guys. You helped me improve my listening skills in English. And as I'll be an English teacher one day, you'll definitely be part oh, cool. of my literature classes. That's cool. Yeah, very nice. Something to look forward to. You know, I hate to say this answer, but I think it may be true. They want it to look like the Wizarding World theme park does. So that when you go to the Wizarding World theme park, you're like, oh, I recognize this from the movie. Uh, I don't know. I think... Considering it's only in the film for like five seconds, I don't think anybody's going to make the connection and be like, oh, I got to go to the theme park so I can see that. You know, because really it's just like the only scene in Hogsmeade is they're hiding behind some barrels. So, you know, what is it about that that makes it that they couldn't do it in. Because it is uh, springtime, you know, late, late springtime, heading into summer. Yeah. I mean, unless it's just a place that always has snow. I, I don't know. I mean, what? is that the case in the books? Well, no. I mean, what? Yeah, what, what you're asking is like if if Hogsmeade would be like, like a, a constantly, climate. constantly enchanted, you know, to be snowy because it's picturesque and Christmassy. Well, which is possible, you know. It's like it could be a movie thing. 
But what about let's say that but, Hogwarts or Hogsmeade is at like a higher elevation in in England as opposed to Hogwarts. So when it rains, it's always going to be snow. I mean, I get, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Except Hogsmeade is like a tw- you know twenty minute walk from Hogwarts. So unless it's like <laughs> up a uphill hill. both ways, yeah, yeah, up a hill, and you know, in in the Alpine Valley of Scotland. Well, what's interesting? I mean, I think it's just a movie thing because when they jump off the dragon they get out of the water they're freezing cold and then they they apparate to hogsmeade so it would make sense in that case that that it would be snowing um, or at least have some sort of cold weather out but then i think you just get confused with the whole time elapsing because yeah the final battle takes place in the spring but for the point of this movie i think they just only created a set that had snow in it i mean i don't i don't really know it's it is weird i mean because there's no snow on the grounds of of hogwarts once you get there next email comes from arianne 23 of sydney writing about harry's grandparents hey MuggleCast, Jonas wanting to know your thoughts on harry's grandparents from reading the book it seems that both sides of harry of grandparents are dead however james potter was only 21 when he died why do you think they are never mentioned much could harry have gone to live with him I remember her saying at some point that uh, they just died naturally, that nothing specific happened to them. You know, They weren't killed by Voldemort or Death Eaters or anything like that, but they had passed on both sides by the time Harry had uh, been born. Yeah, I don't see what James's young age at which he died has to do with it. But yeah, I can. I, I I'm sure that would make sense. They just died of natural causes. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now. Uh, what happened to Harry's grandparents? Uh, she said this takes us into more mundane territory. Uh, as a writer, it was more interesting plot-wise if Harry was completely alone. So I rather ruthlessly disposed of his entire family <laughs> apart from Aunt Petunia. I mean, James and Lily are massively important to the plot, of course, but the grandparents? No. And yeah. because I do like my backstory, Petunia and Lily's parents, normal muggle death. James's parents were elderly, were getting on a little when he was born, which explains the only child, very pampered, had him late in life, so he's an extra treasure as often happens, I think. They were old in wizarding terms, and they died. They succumbed to a wizarding illness. That's as far as it goes. There's nothing serious or sinister about those deaths. I just needed them out of the way, so I That makes them. sense. That makes sense. Uh, and plus, we would never get to see the Dursleys. So what, you know, come on. Next, e- I mean, we still would see the Dursleys, but probably not as much if Harry were to be living with his grandparents. Um, next email comes from Sarah, 17 of Nova Scotia, Canada. I know if I were to ask her a question, I would ask about the state of Hogwarts post-war. Uh, this was this was in response to if you could ask her a question, what would it be? Specifically, what happened with the students who were in their seventh year, seventh, seventh and final year at Hogwarts? I've been wondering lately about the trip since they didn't even go to Hogwarts for their final year. How about you guys? I always felt bad for the, uh, not only the seventh years, but the first years, you know, all the people who were there during Snape's rule, uh, you know, that final year, because that was kind of like the, the year where it's not at all like you would normally get a year at Hogwarts. No matter what year it is, if it's your first year there or your last year there, would they, do you think that they would have had to redo that year to get like proper, you know, training for everybody or, 
because I mean, every year of Hogwarts is kind of crucial, I think, in, in terms of becoming a, a better wizard. If you were to ruin it with, you know, a year of dark arts instead, that'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, you'd feel like you only got, like, one less year. But then there's the uh, fact that most wizards are... The wizards we heard about don't even attend Hogwarts in their seventh year. Yeah. But why... I mean... But, I mean, he sort of... I mean, like, in, in Harry, Ron, and Hermione's case, they kind of prove and they prove themselves. Uh, but, yeah, the other students... I don't know. But it's kind of like that, that year when Dumbledore canceled the, the Owls. Like... Or what? What did he cancel? Final examinations. So it just—it it is a good question. We would have to ask Joe, and I don't—I don't know if she would very she would give a very satisfactory answer. Like she couldn't say, "Oh yeah, they all went back again." So there's actually <laughs> eight years at Hogwarts <laughs> in 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 most of the in the cases of the students who we actually knew. Next email is from Shona, nineteen of Baltimore. I'm an original listener of the show. MuggleCast first came out before I started high school, and I'm halfway through college now. Anyway, I just got around to rewatching DH Part 2, so my email is in response to your commentary. First of all, I just wanted to point out to Eric that in the books as well, Fiendfire is described to take the form of animals. And then she quotes, Now, the fire was mutating, forming a gigantic pack of fiery beasts, flaming serpents, chimeras, chimeras? Chimera. Chimeras, and dragons rose and fell and rose again. Also, Micah brought up that he remembers hearing some somewhere that the prince's tail scenes were shot while filming HBP. This was based on an interview with Michael Gambon where he claimed to only have shot King's Cross scene for this film. I agree with you guys that this seems unlikely. It's possible Gambon just misspoke. I, I agree. He probably just misspoke. Yeah. He had to have. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense otherwise. Um and last email com- or no, not not last email. Next email comes from Layla, Should age be. twenty-three of LA. Hey guys, long time, first time, smart Andrew. I guess she means that you came up with long time, first time. Um, yes, is a long long time listener, first time writer. I've been listening to you guys for the longest time with some gaps in the middle due to life taking a strenuous turn. I even remember there being a girl on this podcast. Anyways, I just finished listening to your last podcast about a month late, and I felt the urge to write. I'm getting my teaching credential right now and started student teaching about a month ago. Wow, was I in for a surprise. I come home drained of life, and catching up on the podcast has been the best way for me to unwind and relax and not think about the million things that are going wrong. Please don't stop, even if it's once a month. Take care, and thanks for the great shows. Glad to hear that, Layla. That's that's like a chicken soup. Glad to hear that, Layla. Happy to help you out. And she's in L.A., right next door to me. Come say hi to Andrew. Yeah. Next email comes from John, 17, of Buffalo. Micah, why don't you read that one for us? Sure. Uh, He says, just a quick question I was thinking about. Who do you think is the headmaster of Hogwarts at the time of the epilogue? It could be McGonagall, but if she's no longer around, is there anyone else we know who would really be considered for that position? My money's on Professor Flitwick. What do you guys think? Hmm. Hmm. Do you think it's somebody we know or somebody we don't know? Why would it be Flitwick? I would kind of be disappointed if it were Flitwick. I mean, Flitwick was never like a headmaster's right-hand man. I mean, McGonagall seemed to be Dumbledore's right-hand woman, so it made sense for her to be headmaster. But I don't know about I don't know about Flitwick. I don't feel well, as if that was ever addressed, though. I mean, it seemed like it would be a natural question because it wasn't Kingsley announced as the Minister of Magic, and so it would make sense that there would be somebody who would we know would take over that role, but I don't know that she's ever said explicitly who it is. 
Well, in defense of Professor Flibick, he was head of house, you know, wasn't he? Ravenclaw. Wasn't he the head of, uh, was he the head of Ravenclaw? Was it? Yeah. I think he was. So, yeah, I mean, if you're the head of Ravenclaw house, that kind of, I don't know, it seems like you'd be a shoo-in, have your foot in the door for a headmaster role. But, I don't know, 19 years later, that's a, that's a long time to be teaching at Hogwarts, you know. 20, 25, 26 years. I don't know. I'd, I'd get tired of the place if it kept having uh, drama and explosions. Next email is from Mason15 of North Carolina. Hey, I was just wondering if you guys thought Dumbledore was justified in being so manipulative. Do you think he could have handled certain things in a better way? Thanks, guys. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. This is a whole main discussion. Eh? <laughs> please, please see please see the, uh, the episode titled Pig for Slaughter. Yes. Uh, episode, God, 101. Nine or something, one one seventeen was it? One seventeen or one twenty, something like that. Uh, just after one sixteen, one sixteen. We discussed this uh, in great detail, led yeah. by Eric, I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, that supported very well by you guys. You guys uh, made made the point. Yeah, this could talk about that for an entire show, but I think that's what makes his character so great is that he was flawed in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we all. Do you think that he could have handled certain things in a better way, but he also handled them in exactly the way that he did, and we kind of have to live with that. So, Next email is from or- – the final email is from Orishield182, 26th of England. I was just wondering, has J.K. Rowling ever said in an interview what happened to Fluffy after he was guarding the trap door in Sorcerer's Stone? They put him down. I doubt that's right. I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say Fl- that Fluffy – Fluffy was released into the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, there you go. Ray ran free. What? Yeah. The Forbidden Forest does not need any more crazy creatures in it. <laughs> but that's exactly where he belongs. Uh, yeah, okay, better than a zoo. But there's got to be, but like next to Hogwarts, still, a three-headed dog. This is one more reason not to like wander into the forest. Yeah, but at least we do have an answer, so we know he's hopefully safe there. Them, they are hopefully safe there. Three heads. Micah, could you read our chicken soup for the Muggle Cast Soul today to wrap up the show? Sure. Uh, chicken soup for the Muggle Cast Soul comes from Anonymous, uh, age 18, from nice. France. And he or she says, uh, Hello, Muggle Cast. Uh, I was seven when my dad started reading Sorcerer's Stone to me, a chapter at a time before bed. I think we read books one to four that way, and I read the others on my own, excluding the seventh book, which my sister and I read aloud to each other so that neither of us would know what happened to Harry before the other one. Of course, she later admitted to me she cheated, staying up all night to finish the book before me. I'm sure you get loads of emails like this from people about my age saying the same thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. For me, Harry Potter truly defined my childhood. When I saw the final movie in theaters, I felt not only that it meant the ending of an era, but also the ending of such a definitive part of my childhood, and perhaps even my childhood itself. I couldn't have been more wrong. I found out about you guys only this month, and I couldn't be more grateful. Listening to your podcast, uh, realize, realize, what? I realize. Yeah, I think. Okay, listening to your podcast, I realized I couldn't have been more wrong in thinking that the end of the movies and the books means the end of Harry Potter. You guys and the millions of other hardcore fans out there all know Harry Potter's here for good. Thanks so much for reminding me of this. Very Sorry nice. there's no name. I mean, <laughs> I blame the copy and paster. Well... It's been another very exciting show. You know, the first one of 2012. 
I don't know if you know this, guys, but we're in our seventh year of Harry Potter yeah. podcasting. That's pretty crazy. Uh, but coming soon, you know, we're always working on new things. Everybody's like, oh, you guys don't put out any episodes anymore. <laughs> well, uh, Mike has details about a new Game of Thrones podcast coming up from a couple people you know on this show and more. Right, Micah? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know, some people know that uh, we started a website called Game of Owns, a play off of Game of Thrones, obviously. And uh, we're looking to start a podcast in the not-too-distant future and probably going to release its first episode in February. And uh, it's going to focus primarily, I think, on the uh, on the TV show, um, and we'll uh, we'll of course have bits and pieces from the book series, but uh, we're going to start with the focus being on uh, the new season of Game of Thrones, which is on HBO April first, and uh, you know Eric will be on it, myself, uh, and a uh, few other people that uh, we're working on the site with. So we look forward to uh, to doing that, and hopefully you guys will are either fans or will become fans. Uh, of the series as a result. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, we're I working also... with with uh, Selena, who uh, works over on Hypable. She does the Game of Thrones news. She does there, the Game so. of Thrones stuff. So, yeah, there you go. So it'll be a joint venture. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that this, uh, the, for the favorite segment, people, uh, Mike and I both felt that we'd like to hear more about the Marauders. There's an upcoming musical uh, that's going to premiere at Ascendio, in uh, July, for those of you who are attending Ascendio, this musical is called Mischief Managed, and it's about Harry's uh, children finding the journals of James Potter and Sirius Black, like their school journals, like their unknown school journals, uh, and learning about what it was like when James and Sirius and Peter and Remus were at Hogwarts. It's going to be a musical, and... Actually, uh, I happened to audition for the musical, and I secured the role of James Potter. So, Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, it's a really good musical. I, j- I just read the script um, last night, actually, and it's super exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but that's happening at Ascendio uh, down at the Lowe's Portofino Bay Resort in nice. July. Nice. Just FYI. All right. We'll have all the details on what conventions we'll be attending this summer probably uh the next months. month or two yeah so check out mugglecast.com as all the information you need about the show you can click on the episodes link at the top to get information about this and every other episode we have ever released in our seven years you also find links to Ever. our Twitter, which is twitter.com slash mugglecast, our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash mugglecast, and our fan Tumblr, which is mugglecast.tumblr.com. Still has uh, too many Eric pictures for my liking, but that's okay. Actually, yeah, yeah, actually yeah. it has been more balanced out. It has been more balanced out. <laughs> I'm completely kidding. <laughs> I know. That's fine. Uh, yeah, and that is that. So thanks, everybody, for, for listening. From hypable.com, I'm Andrew Sims. From MuggleNet.com, I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Mike Catanabell. See everyone next time for episode 249. Goodbye. It's time to start planning 250, shouldn't we? Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of a big episode.
the real reason behind it is that's the song I got a lap dance to. My oh my god! <laughs> oh, you can't say that on the show. What? Uh, no, you can cut that out. Yeah. Well. Uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> in, in New York wow. City. Wow. Were you that's buckled? Cool. That's pretty cool. Was she, was no, she you don't buckle up at a party bus. <laughs> it's the law. Click it or ticket. Okay. Let, no. Yeah, they clicked. About this after. They clicked already. There, there's a blooper. 